Nehemiah chapter number 1. We're going to read two verses there, verses 3 and verse 4. It says, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these things, or these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Amen. When Nehemiah heard about the condition of Jerusalem, he sat down and he wept. He mourned certain days. He fasted and he prayed before the God of heaven. I think we're a little troubled by the condition of our nation. I I know I am, and I know by talking to some of you, you are as well. And there are definitely seasons for the church, as we will uh, examine uh, in maybe a couple weeks. As the Lord leads, there are times of rejoicing, times of shouting, times of, as Nehemiah says, drinking the sweet and eating the fat, putting away the Splenda and drinking the sugar, the real thing. Not eating the low carb, but just eating the fat. Putting it down, eating the good stuff. Neither condition is meant to be permanent. We're not meant to mourn and fast and pray in a state of, of heaviness continually. But just as we're not to do that continually, we're not to always just rejoice and act like nothing bad is going on continually. There needs to be a balance and there are seasons where God leads his people into a time of repentance and mourning and fasting and praying. And we, like Nehemiah, acknowledge the condition of our nation and beginning Tuesday, we're going into a time of prayer and fasting. Because we want to pay a price to see souls saved. Amen? We don't want to just be happy that our life's good and not worry about those who are lost. But we want to make a difference in our city, our nation, and in our world. And so like Nehemiah, we have to be willing to change things. We have to be an agent of restoration. Nehemiah didn't come. You can go ahead and be seated. He didn't come to condemn the first, the previous things that occurred there. But he came to say, we've been called to restore. I'm not here to belittle what's gone on so far. I'm not here to condemn anybody else. I just know this is the responsibility and the burden of my heart. To do the will of God. To do the will of God. Amen. So we'll just pray one more time and ask the Lord. I believe He's already preparing our hearts. But Lord Jesus, we come to You and ask You to help us receive Your Word today. Lord, I'm so thankful for the prayer earlier that occurred for me. I'm thankful for that prayer because I feel like I need You.
more than ever today. I need you more than ever, Lord, to be what you have called us to be. So, Lord, thank you for the prayers that have already gone forth. and Just help me to display your word today, your will for our church in this season. And help all of our hearts and our minds to receive it. Help us to just lay aside distractions for the next little while and focus on your word. Facebook will still be there when we leave today. Text messages will still be read after we leave service. Help us just to silence everything else in our life for the next few moments and just focus on you, Jesus. Above all, we need your spirit to move in this place because what is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. We desire for things to be born of your spirit today. My words, our heart, our spirit, our actions today. Let them be born of your spirit. Let them be both conceived and matured through the power of your spirit, God. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name today. Let revelation come forth through the power of your word. The living word would be spoken and received today. Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, in Jesus' name. Thank you for, again for your prayers early and for worshiping the Lord, setting the stage for us to receive His Word. Upon returning from exile and Babylonian captivity, the primary focus of the children of Israel was to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And this is what has occurred before we read of Nehemiah's assessment. Their primary focus, and it was a good focus, was to build the temple for worship. And this is found in the book of Ezra. It took them 20 years, and they completed the temple. It was dedicated to the Lord, and they began to celebrate as they should have. We should always celebrate the building of the temple. We should always celebrate worship in the presence of Almighty God. However, after two full generations had elapsed and 90 years since they had returned and 70 years since the completion of the temple, the Jews gathered in worship with one thing missing, the walls. The walls of their, still, their city still laid in ruins, still burned with fire. The city was an embarrassment and a reproach with no protection against an enemy that would want to come into the city. No walls is a problem. Worship is good, but without protection, it's lacking. And our society is currently and increasingly becoming a nation without walls, physically and spiritually. The purpose of putting walls on our nation's border is not to keep good people out. It's to keep evil people out. And in the name of tolerance, we're letting everybody in. That's a problem. Because flooding in with the masses, in the middle of the good people that were privileged to come as our ancestors were, there are terrorists who want nothing more than to kill and destroy. I'm not trying to be negative today. I'm just stating reality. They make no qualms about the fact they hate us and they want to destroy us. 
One of my main prayers about the next president is that they will find that balance between letting people come that have the right intentions and keeping those away that have the wrong intentions. The solution is neither to build walls where no one can come or is it to let everyone come. They're both wrong. There needs to be some wisdom. There needs to be some walls and some gates to our nation. And in the physical sense, we see it more clearly, but also in a spiritual sense. Again, in the name of tolerance, we are acknowledging and allowing all forms of evil, spiritually speaking. And I don't say these things because I am afraid. I say these things because we need to battle. Recently in our city, or close to it, rather on the east side of town, I believe it was, they're opening an after-school program for the Satan Club. And in the name of tolerance, we say, yes, go ahead. The enemy is getting so bold, he's not even trying to sneak in now. (laughs) He's just coming in and saying, here I am. I'm Satan, here I am. Because there's no walls. Too many churches have great worship, but no walls. And again, I'm not in a place like Nehemiah. I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm not here to say anything about anybody else, but I see there's a lack of walls. And we need to build walls. I didn't play it today, but you can go online and there's a sermon called A Call to Anguish by David Wilkerson. And he just talks about the American church, how we have become so comfortable and familiar, we don't really want to pay a price anymore. We don't really want to pray and seek God and fast and and have any kind of tough feeling, any kind of, for lack of a better term, spiritual warfare. We don't want to fight a battle. We want to avoid the draft. We want to be draft dodgers spiritually. The Lord's trying to draft people into battle and they're saying, no, thank you. Freedom's never free. There are countless lives who have been... Their blood has been shed on battlefields all around the world that we can wave an American flag and we can have freedom today. They paid a price. We have to be willing to pay a price as well. The enemy doesn't just say, here you go. His, his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we ignore that, We are ignorant. But God is a God of restoration. God is a God who desires for us to be protected. He is a God who takes those situations like Jerusalem, where somebody might say, you know what? It's been destroyed. It's been ruined. I don't want anything to do with that city. It's not worth putting my time and effort into. But God says... I love you and I want to rebuild you. 
I want you to be restored to your place of being protected. And in our lives, we look at our lives sometimes and we see failure, we see faults, we see things that have ravaged us through our sinful decisions and through other people's sinful decisions. And we may think and appear to be nothing to many, but God says, I want to restore you. Just as I restored Jerusalem's walls, I want to rebuild your life. I want to restore your life. You are worth every effort to me. You are worth the time. You are worth the sacrifice. You are worth it. Nehemiah knew what what he had to do. He began with prayer for divine favor and assistance to rebuild the walls. And as a church, we want to see, again, people and their lives turned around. We're living in a society where life is being destroyed through all kinds of sinful things. Again, not being negative, just acknowledging reality. Life is being taken every day. The vices of sin, of immorality, drugs, alcohol, abortion, these type of things, sex slaves. These things are happening all around us every single day. And we can ignore it or we can do something about it. And as we enter into a time of fasting, we are going to make a difference. It's not just a religious activity we are going to partake in. We are going to make a difference eternally in the lives of people. Not just ours, but people around us. Because we're going to be creating a climate where they can come and find refuge. Where they can come and be restored and be safe so that the enemy can't just have free access to their life. He can't just come in whenever he wants and ravage them. You see, one thing about walls that sometimes we get deceived into thinking is we think walls are restrictive. We think walls are to keep us in. That's not the purpose of walls. The purpose of walls, again, is to protect us. The things of God's word that he asks us to do are never meant to be restrictive or to be coercive or manipulative or just because he wants to see if we'll obey him. No, it's more about protecting ourselves and protecting others. We need to be willing to rebuild some walls. And it begins with prayer, with fasting. Prayer and fasting get us to a place where we care more about the problems around us. We no longer coldly ignore people or stand in judgment, but we understand, but for the grace of God, there go I. But for the grace of God, I would be enslaved to sin every single day. But for the grace of God, I would be behind bars for committing horrible crimes. But for the grace of God, I would be. We have to build the walls. Along with the walls, just a few things to mention today. There was these gates in chapter 3. There was gates to the walls and some things they represent. To just catch up. In chapter 1, 
It finishes by him repenting. Nehemiah repents for the nation. And part of what we're going to do this week in prayer and fasting in the beginning is we're going to repent. We're not going to repent for the whole fasting because, again, it's, there's two things, as, as a preacher a while ago told us. You must repent and you must stop repenting, right? So we're going to repent not only for our lives but for our nation. We're going to repent and then we're going to begin to ask God to provide the materials and the favor for us to rebuild his church. And in chapter 3, we find that in the midst of rebuilding the walls, there was some gates. So I wanted to mention those today. The first one is called the Sheep Gate. The Sheep Gate where they come and go. The sheep were led in and out by the shepherd. The sheep have free access to the city of God. The ones who will follow the shepherd. Those who are willing to follow Christ should always be given access to the kingdom of God. To the city of God. To the refuge of God. We must become sheep and not remain goats. Goats are very rebellious. (laughs) My aunt had several goats. And they would try to run anybody over that was short enough. If you were above a certain height, they would leave you alone. But if you were short, they thought they could, they'd try to run you over. And they'd jump up on top of the car and they'd butt heads. Smacking into each other, trying to claim king of the car. They would do that. I don't know why my aunt and uncle didn't stop them, but... They would bang heads. In the body of Christ, we shouldn't be banging heads all the time. Shouldn't be trying to get the dominance over others. That's not what it's about. It's about being humble to submit ourselves not only to God, but to submit ourselves to one another. Amen? To love one another. There was a fish gate. And obviously, catching fish is reference to evangelism, right? God made us fishers of men. The church must always be active in evangelism. We must always be reaching for those that are not inside the body of Christ. There was something called the old gate. The old gate. And I would like to submit today this would represent the old paths. Seeking the old paths. Seeking to follow the word of God that has been established forever. It was written thousands of years ago. Parts of the Bible. And even the New Testament was written close to 2,000 years ago. But it's still right. It's still correct. The principles of it never are out of date. And the same thing we see in the, the early church, the same principles and practices of the early church should be in our practice today. We don't need a new way. We need the old gate. There was the valley gate, a place of 
lamentation where you would exit to the valley. And this valley denoted a place of lamentation. The name meant a place of lamentation. Again, this means a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. There's times where we have to practice compassion for those who are lost. To pray for our brothers and sisters who are struggling. To lament for them. Not 24 hours a day. Thank God. But there are times. There are times. There's balance. There was something called the dung gate. The dung gate. No one wants to talk about the dung gate. No one wants to talk about the toilet. Right? It's not something we want to share with anybody, hopefully. (laughs) But there has to be a place where all the garbage and all the junk is flushed out. And this is is something we come before God and we ask Him to cleanse us, right? To... To wash us. We can't be righteous by ourselves, but when He washes us in His blood, we become clean. Not by any works that we have done, but because He died on the cross and shed His blood and rose again. So I can never become, make myself clean to come into His presence. I have to come into His presence and ask Him to cleanse me. As much as I don't like doing it sometimes, I would much rather hope come to me to change her diaper. Then try to do it herself. It's just going to make more of a mess. There was the fountain gate. The fountain gate is representative of the fountains of living water. The Holy Spirit that we have access to. In the kingdom of God. There's nothing better than receiving God's spirit. And we must guard the gate. We must, we must make sure the gate is in accordance with God's word. The Holy Spirit is not something to take for granted. It's something to rejoice in. But we have to be careful to guard it. And, and likewise, there's the water gate. And we know that through the waters of baptism, we are have our sins forgiven, our sins washed away. And we also receive washing by the water of the Word of God. So the water gate is not optional. It is necessary. We must pass through the water gate and we must construct the gate as it was constructed in the Word of God. One of the greatest things I got to do this last week in Indianapolis was visit a church of a man that was named Bishop G.T. Haywood went to hit that church and and it was an amazing thing for me because I've read a lot of books about him and he paid a great price about baptism he was part of a, a fellowship of brethren who believed in the Holy Spirit they knew Holy Spirit is for everybody when you receive the Holy Spirit you speak with other tongues, the Spirit gives the utterance. That, they all agreed on that. 
But someone came by that showed him in the Bible that when they baptized, they baptized in Jesus' name. And someone even sent him a telegram to warn him about this person coming by. And G.T. Haywood responded by saying, it's too late. I've already been baptized in Jesus' name. Your telegram came a little late. But the result of this was he was eventually disfellowshipped. Because he wanted to restore the water gate. He wasn't, if you read his writings, he says, I'm not trying to call anyone else wrong or bad. I'm not trying to, to, to criticize. I'm just wanting to do what the Bible says. I'm just wanting to restore the walls to the way they were in the book of Acts. What's so bad about that? So when we try to stand for truths and for doctrine, we're not doing it with an attitude that says, I'm better or they're worse. We're doing it with the attitude of, this is what the Bible says, this is how we're going to build our wall. This is how we're going to construct our gates. However other people want to build their city, they can build their city. That's between them and God. But as for me, when I stand before God as someone who was a pastor of this church someday, I have to be able to say, I did the best I could to restore the wall and the gates to the pattern of the Bible. I'm not going to stand before God and say, I just, I felt so much pressure, God, and so many other people do it this way, and I just, I just, people were leaving because of it. I just had to quit. I had to compromise. I have to say, it's not a big deal. I'm not going to stand there and say that. I would quicker leave then change that. Because the walls and the gates are vital to protection to enter into the city of Jerusalem to worship. There was the horse gate and they would ride out on horses to carry them to battle. And as I've referenced before, we got to be willing to enter the horse gate and go into battle in prayer. And I realize this message is probably more for people that have been that understand scriptural things, living for God for a long time. And I'm not asking and expecting everyone to understand all this, but those of you who have lived for God for a while, we must be engaged in warfare. We throw fits about prayer being kicked out of our schools we throw fits about the bible not being in the schools and sometimes again i'm not condemning anyone i'm joining in this sometimes we are guilty of kicking prayer out of our lives we'll point the finger at the schools and we're not praying ourselves It's easier to say, where's the prayer in the schoolhouse when there's no prayer in my house? Then there's the east gate. The east gate denotes the coming of the Lord. Because the Lord is going to come from the eastern skies. The Lord is still coming. He came the first time in Bethlehem, yes. 
in the form of a man, Christ Jesus. But he is coming again riding on a white horse to rescue the nation of Israel and to destroy their enemies. God will fight for us. I'm thankful we are not in this alone. But we have a God who will fight for us. And then finally, there is the inspection gate. The inspection gate is a place where people were inspected. And since I traveled this week, I went through the airport. And we all have the experience at the airport of the inspection gate. It's called security. And you have to stand in the middle of that thing and raise your arms like this. And uh, whatever radiation shoots through your body (laughs) so they can see if there's anything in there. It's not the most comfortable thing. Take off your shoes, take off your belt. Put everything on the belt. But you know what? I'm thankful. As much as I despise standing in line forever, I'm thankful because I don't want a terrorist getting on my plane to blowing us up. But we don't really like inspection. It's not very comfortable. It's inconvenient. But when we come to, again, to the kingdom of God, there's an inspection, and it's not so much by man. God will use people, but ultimately it's by Himself. And one day, the whole world will stand before Him and will be judged at the great white throne judgment. And that's why atheism is a temporary issue. Because there will be no atheists on that day. They will be looking eyeball to eyeball with the one they deny. And hopefully, they won't wait till then to bow. Because when we bow now and come into His mercy now, the Bible says that God is able to present us through the cross, through the blood, through the sacrifice, unblameable, unreprovable, holy and in his sight I'm thankful for that (laughs) I'm looking forward by the blood of Jesus to stand there unafraid and unashamed because I've been cleansed I've been purified I've been washed in his blood and finally there are three major enemies to the rebuilding of the walls there is, first of all, Sanballat, which we may discuss these more in the future. We may not. I don't know what the Lord wants necessarily for next week yet. But Sanballat, his name means enemy in secret. Enemy in secret. And this again reminds me of, of all the fallen angels. They're an invisible army. They're an enemy to every person in secret most people don't even acknowledge their existence they are an enemy in secret whether we acknowledge them or not they are there we have an invisible enemy and when we align with Christ we have an invisible army that's for us but we can't ignore that Sanballat is going to come and try to discourage us from building walls I don't give any credit to him today. I simply say it's a reality. Sanballat 
if you will read the book of Nehemiah, tried to discourage Nehemiah from building the walls. Also, Geshem, the, main, the three main enemies of building the walls, Sanballat, and the second one was Geshem, and his name means rainstorm. And one of the enemies to us rebuilding the walls, of building the church as God would have us to build it, is simply the natural struggles of this life. The rain falls on the just and on the unjust, right? There's going to be struggles in life sometimes. There's going to be hardship in life sometimes. Because of the fall of man, we deal with struggles. And there's natural struggles. We have spiritual opposition and we have the natural opposition. They're both going to try to oppose the building of the walls. But we have to learn to push past and just keep on doing what the Bible says to do. And finally, there was Tobiah. Tobiah's name was quite interesting to me. When I looked up the meaning of Tobiah, it means, again, keep in mind, this is an opponent of Nehemiah rebuilding the walls according to the will of God. And his name means Jehovah is good. His name means Jehovah is good. And he's fighting against Jehovah. He's fighting against the rebuilding of the walls. Again, this includes myself sometimes in my flesh. But people can profess to follow Christ. But if they don't support the rebuilding of the walls, they're an enemy. They could say they're Christian all day, but if they want to change the walls, they want to change the gates. They're Tobiah. Because I don't make up the message. I'm just the messenger. And if I change the message, I become an enemy of Christ. Paul went as far as to say, let him be accursed. If he preach another gospel. That's a, that's a thing to take of great consideration. Every day I pray, God, anything that in me opposes your gospel, please destroy it. Anything in me that is contrary to the propagation of the gospel, please destroy it. Let any traditions or false doctrine that oppose your gospel be destroyed. Because I didn't die on the cross. I didn't put my face in the dirt of the Garden of Gethsemane and weep until blood was coming out of my pores I didn't get whipped I didn't get mocked in the crown of thorns on my head I didn't rise again the third day therefore I have no right to change his message I have to restore what he built not change it one bit by His grace.
I'm thankful that we can rebuild His walls. Because again, though it's a sober thing, and it should be this week and today, we're going to have some moments where it's a little more sober. Anybody who knows me knows that I like to have fun as much as anybody. Whether I think the joke is funny or somebody else does, I'll laugh. You're not supposed to laugh at your own jokes, but I do all the time. I know they're bad. But I still laugh. Because that's what dads do. They tell corny jokes and they laugh. So I love to have fun. But there's also serious times. If, if you're in other contexts of life, there's time to be serious. I don't, if I was having brain surgery, some of you think I need it. If I was having it, I wouldn't want my surgeon playing around and joking like he was playing a game of Operation. Because instead of there being a little zap, there goes part of my brain. It's not good. I want him to be focused. I want him to be serious. If I just had a heart attack and they, need, they rush me to the emergency room and they're, they're doing work on my heart, I want him to be focused. I want to be serious about it. So today as we're talking about these things, we're a little bit serious and, because we have to acknowledge things sometimes. But just know as we, as we give ourselves to these things, as we give ourselves to prayer and to fasting, we're going to see walls being built in people's lives. We're going to see our church become a refuge where people come and they're set free from all kind of things. Lingering abuses that have occurred in their life years and years ago, they just can't get past. They're going to walk into the presence of God and, th- and they're going to begin to be changed. And it may not happen overnight, but as they continue to come to church and submit to the presence of God, they're going to be set free. But we've got to be willing to labor. The walls didn't build themselves. There had to be men and women, and I'm sure boys and girls, who put their effort and they began to build. They began to build. They began to build. And after 90 years of being left vulnerable, they rebuilt the walls in 52 days because they had a mind to work. They were no longer ashamed, no longer reproach. But they were strong and they were fortified because they had a mind to work. A mind to do the will of God. And I feel that way about our church. And the reason why I'm laying this groundwork today is for us to understand. As we go into this time of prayer and fasting, we're not doing this as a religious exercise or duty. We're doing this knowing on the other side of it, there's going to be great reward. And as we do it, Sanballat, Geshem, Tobiah are going to whisper. They're going to try to get you to be distracted. They're going to try to get you to step away from the wall and, re- and think it's not worth it. They're going to try to intimidate you. But we must just keep putting one stone on top of another. We must just keep on building the wall. And the, we'll get you more information on the 
the fasting, but um, we acknowledge people work. We acknowledge people need energy. So we're not asking a strict fast. And we're in, in addition to doing the Daniel fast, we'll offer some information about um, the, I, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's even a little less restrictive than the Daniel fast in that it gives you some more protein and energy. Because we don't want people to just give up because you have no strength. But the sacrifice you make is going to produce results. It's going to give us as a church more compassion for people. And it's going to show God that we're serious about building His kingdom. We're serious enough to let us say, let aside, set aside rather some of our comforts for a few days. He's not asking us to climb the hill and die on a cross. Doing a Daniel fast is hard, but it's not even close. So I want to be caring enough about others to set aside some time of fasting and prayer because it brings the favor of God. When Nehemiah went to rebuild the walls, he had all the materials he needed. He had letters from the king that nobody can bother him or stop him. He had free access in all the materials that were provided by God. And as we continue to pursue God, He's going to give us everything we need to do the work. Amen? So we can stand today a little bit different than normal again, but that's okay because we don't want to just get so regimented or rigid with church that if you expect and you know what's going to happen every time you come to church, we're not being a, the church. We need to be able to respond to whatever needs God is putting on our hearts at that time. And we'll, again, we'll, I'll be giving details. I'll be giving links to pages that have all the information. But beginning Tuesday, the 4th, we're going to go through October 24th, joining several other churches um, doing this literally around the world. That's not, I'm not, you know, that sounds good to say when it's not true, but it's true. <laughs> there are churches doing this during the same time that we are in fellowship with all around the world. And I believe God's going to make a difference. We're not just doing ourselves, but we're part of a global church. Amen. It was exciting to hear reports this week. of We shared them earlier in the year, but in Bangladesh, 3,500 people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Bangladesh. In the Philippines, over 5,000 receiving the Holy Spirit in one revival earlier this year. And in Thailand, the, the picture of the man I showed the video earlier, jumping and leaping and praising God who came to the meeting totally lame, unable to walk, but then leaping in the presence of God just like Acts chapter 3. So we're seeing the restoring of the book of Acts. 3,000 souls, what does that sound like? Acts 2. A lame man leaping, what's that sound like? Acts 3. 5,000 receiving the Holy Ghost, that's Acts 4. God is literally restoring the book of Acts church. It's awesome. So whenever we look at the walls, if we see a hole, we just say, God, we need to patch this up. I see a hole right there and we can't leave it exposed. We've got to patch it up. Protect the gates. Protect the walls. So as we close today, I'm just going to ask you that you'll
just make a commitment as you feel comfortable. I know you may have dietary restrictions where it's not possible. You can still pray. Okay? So we'll, we'll do everything we can to work together on those things. This is not legalistic. This is doing our best to join the efforts of the kingdom of God. To commit to that. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I ask you to read the scriptures and pray about it. If you never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking tongues, read Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. Read the Word of God. It happened all throughout Scripture. And it still happens today. Literally hundreds of times every day all around the world. We're not casting judgment on anyone. We're just trying to rebuild the wall. We're just trying to restore the church through the help of God's Spirit to the condition that He wants it to be. Not me, O God. Lord, I repent of anything I've done to to cause my will, Jesus. Not my will, but Thine will be done, Jesus. Thine will be done.